Hi there, this is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the Consultant's Consultant. I work with data science teams, helping them work even smarter, faster and nicer. If you're brilliant and you want to be even better, this is the podcast for you. Hi, this is Cindy Tonkin. You're listening to Smarter Data People. And uh, today's guest is Sydney Manassian. Sydney's an entrepreneur. He's constantly coming up with new ideas on how to make data work. He runs Context, Contexty and a number of other organisations. He's been thinking about data and analytics for a while. Uh, so listen up and here are seven ways to increase your value as a data science, among other things. Ladies and gentlemen, today I have the amazing Sydney Manassian, uh, who was referred to me by the wonderful Aaron Archery, who was episode two on the podcast. Uh, Sid's going to be number four. Uh, Contexty is your thing, Sid. Tell me more about it. Contexty is. Cindy, thank you for having me here, and I, I hope the guests uh, don't mix up the Sydney and Cindy. Yeah. Oh, no, it would be too hard. <laughs> oh, good. Yes, so Contexty is my thing. Contexty is a... Data and analytics company, I founded it back in 2012. I just returned from the US, uh, having spent five years there with a previous venture, and I looked at the market and it was gonna be cloud, mobility, security, or data analytics as the next uh, sort of key thing that I betted on in terms of a business opportunity. And looking at the Australian market, there was no one really at the time that was a focused, dedicated, if you like, uh, modern data and analytics company. Modern meaning leveraging cloud and big data technologies, machine learning, AI, these kinds of um, approaches. And so we started the company back then. And since then, you know, we've had the fortune of working with 50 plus customers. Um, You know, some key ones include Seven West Media. So our team was behind the design, build and management of their data operations and their analytics environments for the Rio Olympic Games, the Wimbledon, the Commonwealth Games, uh, Rugby World Cup and so on. We've got other customers like Caltex, SAI Global and, and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a lot of it's a lot of data, it's a lot of companies and it's a lot of people that we've have come through the ranks of the business and many have moved on and ended up in really amazing roles. Mm-hmm. So, so Contexty is my thing, yes. What makes a good data analyst in Contexty? What do you look for? So firstly, we recognise that there is no one magical role, right. right? So I think a lot of the market when they're thinking about data analytics are quickly jumping to let's hire a data scientist. And that's the amazing answer. And I've even heard at board levels, people, board members, they've heard of this data science thing and they're saying to their CEOs, you go get one of those or two of those, right? Because people don't seem to, a lot of, someone was saying to me the day, chief executives at the moment, there's a lot of them who've not been brought up in the data world in terms of data didn't exist when they made their fortune, if you like. So now they don't understand it. What what, um, what do they need to know that they don't know? So I think they need to know a few things. One is that um, there's only so long they can uh, put their heads in the sand and mm-hmm. pretend that you know, uh, things aren't changing. Everything's changing, everything's getting disrupted, and that's not just throwing buzzwords around. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, businesses are getting disrupted by not their traditional competitors, but new players that are taking a completely digital and data-driven approach Mm -hmm. to uh, fighting the fight. And the ones that are smart wake up and have the courage to 
uh, take action. And it's painful. It's not easy. No. Data's dirty, data's messy. Yeah. Uh, change is heavy. Change is difficult. It's not, and, and it's never the technology that's the problem. It's people and the intent and the alignment that's yeah. the problem. Yeah, yeah. So if you take someone like um, Channel 7, who have at a board level, at a C level, recognized that they no, are no longer in uh, the business where TV is just in the living room, yeah. but they call it now total um, video, right? <laughs> right? TV yeah. means total video, which yeah. means uh, content on any device, anywhere, anytime. Yeah. And they recognize that to compete in that paradigm, they absolutely need a modern approach mm-hmm. to not only the technology and the analytics um, tools, but also how they execute on the insights. So it's again, not just about the data and the tool and the great analyst that will find something. Mm-hmm. It's the entire value chain of how will an organization take advantage of data, but then execute with it to their advantage, um, all the way to the action, to lift audience engagement, to have a better user experience, to whatever. So C-level people need to understand that. And answering the question previous oh, to yes, this, which was, sorry. that's okay, which was, you know, what do we look for? Well, firstly, we look, we recognize that there is no one person that can do all those roles um, well, um, or if they are, why would they want to work for us, to be frank, right? And, and every leader needs to ask that honest question. If there's, if there's a person that's so awesome, why would they want to work for us, right? Um, so, so I think um, we firstly recognize that there's different skills um, at the you know, platform level, infrastructure level, moving up to the data um, engineering level, to then the data uh, operational analytical level, to then insights and analytics, machine learning type level. So I think uh, firstly recognizing there's different skill sets at at, at each level and there's different soft skills involved, Uh levels of different soft skills. So someone who potentially sits at the back end and does operational things, you always want your people to have great soft skills, but it's way different to the person who's in there with the customer talking about their competitive environment and their transformation and their change management problems internally, right? That's gonna take a different skill set. So firstly, we look for um, people that are uh, obviously you know, self-realized. Yeah. That, that's easier because if they're self-realized, they are coachable. So what do you mean by self-realized? Well, there's people who are aware and that say, I'm really good at doing these things. I'm good at communicating with these types of people, but I'm not so good at presenting or I'm not so good at uh, getting in front of a, a certain customer audience. So when someone recognizes that, it's much easier to help them and coach them and guide them in mm-hmm. developing that skill. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they have the intention of developing their skills and not just sitting on their, mm-hmm. on, their on their current position and say, I'm not good at this and that's the end of that. It's, yes. it's I'm not good at this. And it's that fixed versus growth mindset. Correct. I can correct. change. Correct. I don't have to be... If I'm bad at this, I could Correct. see the way to be Correct. Better. And then it's our job as leadership to basically say, we have your back. So one of the things that my team knows that always, whatever happens, even though everyone who knows me and has heard me speak, they know I'm not technical, they know I'm not actually a, a tech guy or a data analytics guy, but I've you know yeah. founded a business and we've worked with over 50 customers and we've added value, we've created value, that's the goal. But even still, they know I absolutely have their back yeah. if things go wrong, yeah. right? So they are safe. Yeah. They are safe. Yeah. And I think Psychological safety. giving them that safety going, we, 
I own it. I'm the CEO. I own it, right? So um, it makes them feel better about uh, tackling new things yeah. where we're asking them to adopt the growth mindset because they're not, they're, they don't have the... And this is the benefit of, I guess, a small organization, which has... You know, I, 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 you know, almost no politics. I mean, every organization naturally has its tension, but, you know, compared to some of the larger places where people are really, you know, trying to do ask covering if I'm allowed mm-hmm. to say that on this podcast. You're allowed to say fuck in this podcast. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, so if they're I doing... make the rules. Great. It's your podcast. You make the rules. Great. So, so you understand where I'm going with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, um, you are... Uh, Separately, you tell me you, you make, you've written something called Seven Ways to Increase Your Value as a Data Scientist. Tell me about that. Yeah, so what I noticed is there's a lot of meetups uh, happening around data analytics, um, machine learning, um, data science, um, and there's all these um, special events. And I was getting invited to go in as a guest speaker mm-hmm. to um, even um, uh, universities doing master's programs, uh, doing a guest lecture and things like that. And Everyone's coming in and talking to a group of people that are starry-eyed wannabe data scientists or their existing data scientists looking to enhance their trade and skills and craft. And what I thought was, well, firstly, I can't add real value in their area of expertise because I don't have that personal background, firstly. But then what I do know I can bring value is all the soft skill stuff. And and, and so um, I created a I created a talk and I wrote a, a blog post that's on the Contexty website. Seven ways, seven ways to increase your value as a data scientist. Um, I've done the similar talk, talking about seven ways to increase your value as a, a data professional. It doesn't matter. Fundamentally, I'm trying to drill home uh, a couple of key mm. key things. Um, so these include, firstly, to uh, understand the business that you're in. Yeah. Right. So. Um, a lot of people you'll talk to and they'll go, well, I'm just the numbers guy or I'm just the numbers girl. Why do I need to know all those other things? But this is all about having a seat at the table, right? So being able to have a seat at the table, you want to be able to understand, well, what business are we in? How do we make money? What are our margins? Who are our best customers? Who are our best partners? Who do we worry about as a competitor? And when you then talk to your client, mm-hmm. the person that you're serving as a data professional, and are able to have a conversation at that level, yeah. not at just the numbers level, you will be seen and treated very differently. The second uh, point about out of the seven is get to know your customer's customer, yeah, right? Yes. Because ultimately the people asking for your services aren't necessarily the end customer. Now, often they're the people who can say no, but not say yes. Yeah, <laughs> and they're serving another audience, right? And so if there's an opportunity to partner with them to go and meet with the ultimate end customer, um, let's say it's a marketing department asking the data analytics team to deliver some insight. Well, the marketing department wants to then serve that organization's end customer. Correct. If you're yes, able to understand who they are, their personas, their likes and dislikes, their behaviors, you will be a far more better data professional and you will again have a far more um, important seat at the table. Well, it's also because of, as in my experience of data professionals, uh, certain that they like to be like but having a meta position is actually quite useful because you get to see stuff you don't see when you're in it however there's some major advantages in actually getting into and getting invested in 
the actual thing rather than looking at it from an outside perspective all the time. Yes. And I think it's that dis- this ability to get that distance and then get back in, be the cu- be with them with the real end customer. Totally. It's a and, huge difference. And, the, and, and look, you know, these are seven things. There's probably 17 more things. There's totally. another version of the exactly. seven. It, none of this is uh, the silver bullet. The it's point is, the, the point is, yes, the point is, Don't ask for permission. Don't wait for someone to invite you. It's up to you as a professional, as a person, Mm -hmm. to take control of your own um, sort of relevance, career uh, uh, opportunities. And and, and by doing... Exactly. By doing some of these things, you're you're lifting up there. Number three is um, beyond the what and the how, Mm -hmm. ask the why. Often we get, you know, into the detail of, so, you know, what are we doing? How should we do it? Let's discuss that. But often let's understand why. Because when you understand the why, you might direct that person to ask for better, ask a better question, ask for a different data set, ask for a different algorithm. And again, they'll go, wow, Cindy really gets us, right? She thought about it, right? You can't show us relevance if you don't know why. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Start with why. Start with why. Totally. Um, Yeah. We've been there. Been there. Okay, so number four is step away from the data. Yeah. Uh, so often, um, you know, go and involve yourself and understand what is the political environment look like? What are other yeah. forces impacting the problem that you're trying to solve? While we argue that everything can be answered with data, and I know there's that yeah. whole philosophy around it, yes, yes, but there is this other side. There is a left brain, right brain you know, combination of the way organizations work, right? <laughs> so s- stepping away from the data works. Number five is really important, which is seek the action. Oh, interesting. Often, often, you know, we get asked to do things, go and find this, you know, insight. Mm. And we go off and we find the insight, we deliver it, and it's an amazing insight, but no one takes action on that insight. And we then sort of go, yeah, data science, what value does it bring us? Analytics, what value does it give us? Because and but the point why. is, you don't have a, you know, you don't, it's, it's above your pay grade. It's above yeah. my pay grade, even as an external service provider to do some of these things. But in the early stage, you have an opportunity being part of the team, being inquisitive to say, so I'm going to give you this insight. What are we going to do with it? And then what? And then what? And then what? And how will that deliver the end result that we're after. Have the courage to ask this. A lot of people think, oh, it's not my place. Absolutely, it is your place. You're a professional. You need to know what the big picture looks like. You're not just going to work to keep yourself busy from the hours that you work, you know, from the start to the end of the hours that you work. You want to be impactful. You want to make a change. You want to make a difference. You You want a success story to be able to tell either for your promotion or the next job that you're interviewing for, yeah. right? So I think it's extremely important to know what the action is that, that you're after. Love it. Yeah. Number six is build bridges with people. Yeah. So it's all about relationships and it's all about you being able to pull favors down the track. Yeah. And finally, number seven is, no surprise, over-communicate. Right. Tell them what you're working on, tell them what your challenges are, tell them where you're going, tell them what you've learned. Um, don't be, and don't be scared of giving away some of your thinking too early. Mm. People are helpful. Right, and people generally want to help you and direct you and give you feedback. Um, so I think um, these are seven ways that uh, I find a, a, a good little tidbits to give people yes, to think about yeah. all the other soft skills and being impactful when in in their workplace. Totally, and, and I, I think it's a it's a growing thing that within data analytics that people are starting to understand the, the data analysts and people who hire them starting to understand the importance of this 
it's not just about the numbers. Yes. Because machine learning is starting to actually get rid of some of the things that's just like, let's do a thing that says how many numbers. It's like, make sense of the numbers for me. Give it, give me context. All those things that yes. you just said are essentially the, the yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. This is wonderful. Um, so talk to me about um, your habits and routines because you're obviously a learner and an entrepreneur and a taker under undertaker of things. Yes. Entrepreneur being the French words for undertaking. Um, what do you, what's your life, life like? What's your routines? Okay, so to give it a, a bit more context, I'm a father of three. Uh-huh. Uh, so, thank you. So I think um, as a person and as a professional, um, you know, no one's one dimensional. There's multiple dimensions that make us up. And so I think to me to be successful isn't just to make money. Mm-hmm. It's also being impactful to my family, my wife, my kids, um, and the people that are in my sphere, plus then do the things that I do in Contexty as well as the other businesses mm-hmm. that I have. So I think um, a few things come to mind and, and I've become better at this as time has gone yes. on, obviously. Well, we'll yeah, no one's magically, yeah. no one magically does this. So firstly, um, I'm going to actually start with health yeah, yeah. because I didn't give it that much priority and attention before. And whereas knuckles by my life. Um, yeah, I think thank thank God I'm healthy and I haven't had any things. But by um, you can you can be I used to sort of be um, give excuses with I you know I don't have time for exercise or I don't mm-hmm. whatever. Whereas actually I read the Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Body oh, and that okay. really inspired me to go look. Simple hacks and changes in your routine can ma- make a big, big difference. difference. Yeah. So. I'm very disciplined with uh, morning routine, like wake up at a certain time, mm-hmm. out of the house, um, breakfast, um, uh, uh, basically a no carb, uh, high protein, high fat mm-hmm. breakfast, um, no milk, no sugar midweek type thing. Okay. Um, and then the, in terms of exercises, seven, eight minute workout, squats, crunches and push ups, that's it. Wow. That, every and, day? Uh, almost every day. Yeah. And, and if not, maybe three times a week. Yeah. And then more recently, and then from time to time, I'll do something with um, the kids. Mm-hmm. So just two weeks ago, we ran the Lenko Fun Run 5Ks. Okay. And of course, they both beat me. So an 11, an 11 year old right. and an eight year old. The 11 year old smashed it. He yeah. did amazing time. Uh, and the eight year old, did, did, they're, both, they're both actually very fast runners and they play soccer. So anyway, so um, health wise, being That's conscious. Good. And then I'm very lucky because my wife also is very health conscious. And, um, and, and, and so we, as a family, when you, when you make it a priority to talk about what we're eating, what we're exercising, everyone, you know, the kids are understanding about low, you know, sugar intake and things like that makes a big difference and helps. So sort of making it a theme mm-hmm. and, 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 and people might be thinking, well, I'm carrying on about this, but it makes an absolute difference yeah. to the way then you can perform yeah. um, as a person yeah. moving into the professional life. Yeah. Um, I'm a podcast listener as well. So I, not only do I produce podcasts and turn up and do yeah. self-promotion like yeah. this one, um, I, I, I listen to a number of uh, podcasts. So given I'm an entrepreneur, I've been listening to Mixergy for a long time. So that, that's interviewing a lot of entrepreneurs from all over the world. Um, and the Tim Ferriss's one, I don't mind, but it's way long, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a two hours thing. So, so I can't, sometimes I can't listen to all of it unless they've got someone really interesting talking about. Yeah. So you, I just watch it for the, oh, that's an interesting one I want to hear about. Yeah. Um, and then what I do while I'm listening to all that stuff, um, I'm usually on Evernote, 
Yeah. And I'm always taking notes on yeah. how I can I incorporate what I've just learned into Contexty or any of my other uh, businesses or what I can communicate back to my kids, yeah. you know, and, and, and they're, they're young business and entrepreneurial people in training at the right. moment, yes, right? So exactly. there's, you know, um, so that's that. And then in terms of um, operational things, um, I'm, uh, you know, we, we have stand-ups at, at, at Contexty. So I'm recently, we've brought in a managing director, so I'm not involved in the day-to-day -day operational okay, things. Yeah, so that's a good yeah. thing. But typically the operational things include, you know, customers, sales, R&D related matters, mm -hmm. quick updates so people know what's going on, and then leveraging a number of collaboration tools, whether yeah. it's Slack, uh, whether it's uh, using Google Hangouts, things like mm -hmm. that. So we, we're, we're good adopters of, of those things. And then um, other sort of productivity yeah. hacks, if you like, is um, I'm, I'm a stickler for time. Yeah. So if, if something, if I have to be somewhere, I'm usually 10 minutes early. So you would have yeah. seen me yeah, uh, text yeah. you this morning. Eight minutes, 10, 10, eight minutes. Oh, yeah. Good. yeah, I'm in Just the foyer. And I, and I gave you two minutes before yeah. I texted that, by the way. So I was already, I had already. So, so, so and I lo love the things to start on time yeah. and to end on time, yeah. right? It's important to start and end and be able to call yeah. a, a very strict yeah. uh, thing. Also in, in meetings, both with customers, partners, teams, in a very loving way, I'm able to say, Let's park that or revisit that, but yeah. that's not relevant for what we've agreed. We're trying to get out right. of this meeting today, right now. Because running effective meetings must be one of the hugest skills, I believe, in modern world, because everybody's living what now has been called a meeting-rich environment. Yes. Um, are there other hacks you use in meetings? Well, I'm, I'm constantly learning from people, so there's the whole um, Amazon Web Services one, Amazon one, where they talk about if... Um, if uh, you can't feed all the people that you're meeting with two pizzas, you've got too many people there. Okay, so that, that's a that's a good little example of not having too many people at a, at a particular meeting. And it depends if you're if you're there to communicate um, and get things by consensus or it's a brainstorming session. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the context. So I don't think there's a universal rule. And part of that is about setting the purpose of the meeting. Right? Setting the purpose of the meeting and setting. Um, expectations, yeah. right, of what you're expecting for people to do. I also get edgy if I've invited people and they're not participating, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not here to entertain you. Yeah, I'm yeah. here, you know, <laughs> we're, we're here to, was, yeah. we're to have a clash of clash of energy and the energy is made up of mind and spirit and your passion at the time. Give it to me. Like, yeah, let's yeah. not sit here, you know, passive. That's, yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't work. So. Does it happen very often? It happens. Because I think that partly you're responsible for it. Back to taking on that leadership role, yeah. you set the tone, you set the expectation, and you agitate in a lo again loving way with a smile, <laughs> right? I was listening to Troublemaker. Uh, I was listening to a podcast this morning from uh, Shane Parrish, Farnham Street, the Knowledge Project. He was interviewing a guy from Shopify who said he's written something called the Toby Blueprint that essentially is when people it's on their intranet. When you start working at Shopify, if you have to deal with Toby, here's Toby's operating manual, essentially. Right. He said that the things that people would find out about me if they worked for me for a year, but I'd give it to them so they don't have to wait a year to yes. know. Yes. Is there stuff like that that you all guys know about you? Would you have a documented operating plan or something? Um, not a documented operating plan, but actually um, right from day one, uh, you know, I set the foundations and, and the, those are the values uh, for Contexty. Mm. And 
we made it a thing that not only do I talk about it with incoming employees, but actually uh, when we go to pitch to a client, it's literally the second slide. Right. Right. And so that way, not only am, am I communicating to the customer, the prospect, the partner, but also my team members that what we say isn't just something that we put up on a wall. Um, it's something that we believe and live by. Mm-hmm. And I've gone as far as saying, if you can't communicate this and represent it and believe in it, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. It's, that, it's like, to me, it's that, um, it's, it's, it's that simple. Yeah, yeah. So um, other than that, it's some other things around um Failure is a big thing that I talk about because I've had some big failures, big wipeouts, come back from the dead and, you know, whatever. And so I have no problem with failure as long as it's done with good character, transparency, innovation and velocity. So that's the five and and failure is our fifth fifth, uh, value, right? And so I say as long as these things are done in conjunction, we're good. The other interesting thing is I, I, back to what you say on day one, I say I also expect nothing's forever. Right. So while we think we want to be here and work together forever, there will come a point in time that naturally something will happen that either you will say, Sid, this no longer is right for me, or I'll say, hey, Cindy, this no longer is right for me. Mm-hmm. And let's make sure that just like on day one, we're excited to work with on the end day, we have a loving um, departure yeah. and all is good yes. because that's just life. Mm-hmm. So let's just... Let's just yeah. assume that let's that's going to happen. Yeah, and you know, let's just work as long as we can and give out a thousand percent when we're here. But then, if if when it does come to an end, let's just know that it's going to come to an end, and let's make sure it's not a messy end, yes. right? And that's exactly. that's a conversation I have early because um, I've had things in the past that I could have managed better that I didn't yeah. do that, right? Yeah. So that's again so come from my own from my own my own failures. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We're all learning stuff always. Uh, it's just a question of whether we're doing it on purpose or not. Um, so we talked about hiring, we talked about firing, we talked about uh, the things. Talk to me about um, best lesson you've ever learned in terms of business, in terms of... Yep. Um, aside from let's finish it nicely. <laughs> yeah. So best lesson that I've learned is to have the fight early. Tell me more about that. Um, so I've had a lot of, uh, you know, like I'm a smiley, happy-go-lucky type of guy. I'm passionate about what I do. Very, um, I think I take on a lot of things. And, yeah. and sometimes you think, well, I'm accommodating and I've got a very um, flexible personality and all that seems nice, right? <laughs> Except for when things are not right. Yeah. And the question constantly is, when do I bring this up? Yeah. Right? And I recall my my dad telling me when I was younger Mm -hmm. to have the fight early Mm -hmm. and I didn't get it. I thought there was an element of um, impatience on his behalf and a short temper. Uh, That's what was resulting. Yeah. That's not what it's about. Whether it's not about that. So now, um, you know, I I reflect on, you know, one of my biggest failures um, with one of my tech ventures in the US and and so on. And... um, and, and I talk about having the fight early when there's when there's misunderstandings or when there's uh, disharmony, mm-hmm. especially in the leadership team, in the founding team or whatever. It's up to me, like you know, to, to bring it up. So now when I explain this to people, I say have the fight early mm-hmm. because you might end up with a bloody nose, yeah. but you're not leaving it until it becomes brain hemorrhage. Yes. Okay. Exactly. And so what you don't want to do is leave things where they're so late, where you then when you try to bring it up, it's just 
too much water under the bridge. Yeah, it's catastrophic. And you think you're doing the right thing by being accommodating and putting it up. But for the other side, it just becomes the norm. So then when later you do try to talk or bring it up, it's not. And look, that's a universal lesson, right? It's not just just in business. It's not just in partnerships. It's with employees and employers. It's between employees. It's between uh, partners, right? Mm -hmm. Even relationships, right? Uh, Where if things aren't, don't get talked about, there's resentment that gets built. So my biggest lesson- When the discomfort begins is when you call it rather than waiting for it to become real pain. Correct. So my biggest lesson is have the fight early. That's that's, that's valuable. Thank you. Uh, Having to say no, is there something you had to say no to and how did you, how did you, couch that in terms of made it acceptable for people for you to say no i mean you've kind of talked about it in yes. different ways already yes. several times but is there maybe something you that was memorable you had to say no to and a business opportunity yeah so, so actually saying no has um become a really important thing. So I'm going to switch to a business context now. Yes. So it's going to be a little bit of business yeah. strategy rather than, but I think the lesson stands. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I've, you know, one of the other things that I do is I coach other um, business yes. CEOs around, especially around sales, go to market and, and building their businesses. So uh, like my seven ways to increase your value as a data professional. I've got another talk called the 10 sales essentials for first time tech founders. And one of those essentials I talk about, you need to become a narrow niche ninja. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So the whole idea of that is when you try to do too many things, uh, and be all things to all people, you are nothing for nobody. Yeah. So I think there's an element of that when you think about in your professional development and your yeah. career, to being known for something. Yeah. And often that means you need to say no to things that seem shiny at the time, seem important, seem like the best opportunity, um, but actually it's taking you off your game plan. Right. So then the question is for how long do you do that, right? And so, Partly to, and, and I'm very excitable, naturally, okay? So I'm a yeah, high energy, exactly. excitable, you know, want to work with everyone, want to help everyone, want to do everything. So part of it was to even contain myself. Yes. Uh, and even like, and then I sort of came up with this concept uh, with the early days of Contexty because data and analytics, big data, Hadoop, machine learning, AI, that could go anywhere. You could be anything, like you could build any type of business. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I want to do, I wanted for us at that early stage to be known for something specific. So today we're really well known for our data operations and our insights. Yeah. But in the early days, we were known for big data and Hadoop, let's say, yeah. specialty. So part of getting to that, being known for that was to be that narrow niche ninja and to say no to things. But the way I consoled myself on why I was saying no, I kept saying to everyone around me, this is what we're currently doing. Everything else right now is a no for the next five deals and the next 90 days. Right. So I, I, I contained it and I said in five deals, if I can close five more deals doing what I already do or 90 days time, I will come up for air and then look at what else matters at the time. Yeah. So it's not forever. So those that are familiar with Agile and Scrum, yeah. it's a bit like that. Like yeah. you're, you've got a sprint, you've, you're doing something specific. You're not, you're not trying to change the game plan, but you're being flexible. You're not you know, in the traditional mm. waterfall model where you're saying for the next three years, we're gonna do this. What you're saying is for a period of t- 
time, I'm going to be focused and committed to ensure that this thing either works or doesn't, but I know for sure, yeah. and I've given it a real go. And that therefore gives you, you say no to everything else. Yes. Purely in order to be focused on that one thing yes. that you've determined is the important strategic thing. Yes. So then that gives you the chance to, in a polite way, to say to others, yeah. this is not now, this well, is a no for the, for the next five deals and 90 days, and then I'm happy to revisit. So that way, you know that if it's real, it'll float back, yeah. it'll come back to you, or you'll go back to it. Exactly. But if it's not, you've let them down very gently yeah. because you've also come up with this, let's call it a mantra or a mindset around how to say no. Correct. Firstly for yourself, yeah. then for others. Yeah, because I, I do a whole program called How to Make No Sound Like a Yes, and part of it is, is like, you don't have to say yes right now. Delay, yes. 90 days. Yes. 90 days talk to me, because right now I'm focused on this thing. Sounds way better than, sorry, it's not my priority. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's finding the way to say that that's tricky. Yeah. Um, so even even with those CEOs that I'm coaching, then back to the sales thing is um, the sales methodology that I've created and what they use is called the 590 sales model. That, and that's where it came from. Exactly. And people go, what? How did you come up with that number? Well, it's a number, but you five pick, deals, yeah, five days. deals, ninety days, and I'm, yeah. I'm I'm containing and I'm becoming that narrow niche ninja, and I'm saying no to things. Yeah, I think there's some relevance for people just at a professional oh, level, okay. right? Well, Projects that they're taking, whatever they're doing, it doesn't matter. They're, again, it's not rocket science. I didn't, mm. you know, invent the silver bullet here. It's just a method that I found works for me. Exactly. Uh, let me look. Oh, prioritizing and overwhelm. What happens to you when you've got too many things to do? Um, I bet you that's a familiar feeling. It is a familiar feeling. You know what? You start with a blank sheet. Yeah, yeah. When you've got too many things to do. Yeah. So I don't, let's say, have a one single long list of to-dos. Yeah. I almost I reset. Yeah. I reset. Like, you know, I'm a big, again, user of Evernote. Yeah. And I'm on the bus. I'm at home. It's late at, late at night. I'm watching Netflix, whatever. Um, I will rethink, right, what are my priorities right now and what will I do? Right? And so that's... Um, that's just the way I work. I'm, yeah. I'm sem- so you seldom get overwhelmed because you're constantly reprioritized. I'm never overwhelmed. Right. I've got this happy-go-lucky thing. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I'm, I'm okay with delegating. I'm okay with calling people and go. You know what? I've got too much on right now, so I'm not. Gonna, so, but I ne- emotionally mm-hmm. and psychologically, I it doesn't impact me. So potentially I'm missing some brain cells. That could happen as well because <laughs> that's in line with my risk taking. Yeah. How are you? But so that bit doesn't. Over, no, overwhelmingly and partly because and you have that policy of have the fight early so you don't get to yeah, because you haven't said yes to too many things too many things and and I'm also good at calling up on people and, and I trust human the goodness of human spirit yes. right so if yes. I have to call up someone and go we wanted to do this and it's not going to happen or something's changed I need you to come in and help me or I or you know for people that I'm asking help from or people that I've promised something and wanting to deliver to I'm always making sure that I'm reasonable and it's thought about and it's common. So I feel like there's always a trade-off yeah, yeah. and it's always a fair, it's always fair, right? So, um, so not really overwhelmed, but back to what others could yeah. do or whatever. Start with a fresh page. Don't yeah. carry your to-do list from ever because sometimes it doesn't matter. So it's almost like when people declare email bankruptcy, right? They go, yeah. right, I'm not going to look at anything else. It doesn't matter. If it's important, it'll come back to my inbox. Yeah, exactly. Then I'll re- reset it, right? Have you ever re- declared the email bankruptcy? No. You're running like four different companies, yeah? Yes. How many? Almost four, yes. Almost four. Almost four. <laughs> Three yeah, fourth, 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 yeah, yeah, so fourth, one, fourth, one, fourth one is about to <laughs> be, get released. It's being born. Yes. yes. Um, how big is your email inbox? 
Do you want me to just look at my phone and right look, now and 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 I'm tell? I'm a zero inbox person. I, okay. I will bring things. I will tell things to okay. come back. Um, but, so my um, my kids freak out when they see this, and uh, you're going to freak out. So I've got fifty six thousand four hundred and seventy four emails unread. Oh my god! <laughs> unread. I, it doesn't matter. No, because it's it doesn't matter. The important back. ones Don't float to the mind. top. I see the things that are important. Yeah. Haven't dropped the ball on anything. It, it works for me. Now, I subscribe to things. There's some rubbish and alerts that I don't want to unsubscribe from because I'm always learning from other people's tactics, Absolutely. how they communicate, how they market, how they yeah. sell to me. Yeah. So for me, that's all interesting. I like browsing through it and just leaving it there. Yeah. And, you know, God so bless God bless Google. God bless Google. They, they allow you to have a lot of things, right? Absolutely. And, you know, do no evil. They're not going to do evil with it. So it's all good. Yeah, trust. I love trust. Um, so you have 56,000 unopened, but you've actually read the subject lines usually. Sure. Or I, the person yeah. it's from, well, it's, it's, it's from someone you're correct. interested in talking to, you're correct. And, 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 and Google does this whole, you know, this thing, this one seems like it's important and it tags it because you've, it, been, you've been communicating with this person or it looks yeah, like it's yeah. from a client or, yeah. you know, there's some very simple ways to set up some views yeah. and tags. So things that have got to do with, you know, uh, in, like, the, the one I love best is when I see, you know, uh, billings and invoices going out or confirmation yeah, of, yeah, you know, right. customers I, buying. I love it. Yeah, I, I, know, I notice those ones. I'm a business guy, naturally. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, okay. 56 cents, the other zero inbox. It, I've got those emails. I'm, they're just in my bring it back next week when I've got Good. time to think about it. Yes. But for me, there's nothing in my inbox that I'm not working on right now. Yes. So, it's, it's, it, for me, it's like horrific. So, so yeah, so, so it's very funny because... Um, uh, the business before Contexty, we were yeah. doing an email productivity product right. effectively, right? right? So it was a natural language product inside of email that automatically detect detected action items um, and issues in your email communication, oh, right? right? Okay. So the whole idea, we, we sort of recognized all these other to-do lists and task management and project management tools don't get used because they get overdone by people just communicating yeah. via email. So as part of my validation in the early days, um, one of my existing clients with my uh, previous business was Deloitte. And so we had a really good relationship with the leadership team of Deloitte. And at the time, the chief strategy officer was Harad Foster. And uh, we had a, I had a close enough relationship with him to be able to use him as part of my customer validation. And I was trying to sort of understand how these executives use email. What's their email habits, productivity habits, right? So I was asking similar questions to you. And I said to him, uh, I I booked a meeting with him. I sat down with him and, you know, so I'm like, so Harad, so what do you do when you get an email? And he goes, I ignore it. (laughs) I go, what do you mean you ignore it? And he goes, well, I ignore it. And then I go, what happens? And then he goes, usually they send me a follow-up. I go, ah, right. So that's when you respond. He goes, no, I ignore it. Anyway, this went on and then what I figured out, he goes, if it's important enough, these people step into my office. Yeah. Now, you know, you so everyone's, everyone's, yeah, when you're that senior and you've got a PA who's also going through emails, sure no whatever. So yeah. my point is, there's no one again answer. Everyone's got their own little model of figuring it out. But yes. it was hilarious that here I was trying to automate 
if you like, or, or, or build a, a automated function of his behavior. And his behavior was just, if it's important, people will walk into the office and talk. That's what they should be doing. If it's that urgent, they pick up the phone. So, you know, it was like, awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah, I lo- exactly. I, yeah so. If you work in a corporate, you can't necessarily- yeah. Now I respond to emails, it's my, my thing's not that, but yeah. Yeah, no, no, well you did, you responded within- Yeah, your email, email that's right. Aaron's email, exactly, yeah, so, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so, like, we, we set this up. Together, correct, correct. Yeah. Um, so what's your favorite charities, You know, um, a few years back, I got the chance to go and uh, get involved in a two day uh, design thinking slash strategy mm-hmm. session with the um, Brain Cancer okay. Foundation. So at the time, it was Professor Charlie Teo. He's now moved on and I think created another one. But somehow, you know, because I ended up contributing to it, not just money, but mm-hmm. I got involved. I met people that were, um, you know, the children or the spouse of people that had lost their lives to brain cancer. Mm-hmm. So I've ended up getting involved with them both from a time commitment and money and things like that. So that's that's sort of Beautiful. been on that, brain that floated cancer, brain cancer foundation. foundation. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So if there's nothing else you want to tell me, I mean, we could talk for days, but given that we have to, uh, you've already told me that success for you is finishing on time. Yes. Um, we're going to stop unless there's something else you want to say. No, awesome. Thank you for having me. Congratulations with so what you're doing. It's and been and great. Um, it's very important what you're doing around the professional development yeah. and, and helping teams become more awesome. Fabulous. Great. Smarter, faster, nicest. That's us. Love okay, it. Okay, thanks, Sid. Thank you. This is Cindy Tonkin, I'm the Consultant's Consultant, and you've been listening to Smarter Data People. This is part of what I do to understand how it is that data scientists can be more effective in the workplace, smarter, faster, and nicer. And if you have a team and you're finding them harder to manage than they could be, if you're constantly trying to squeeze more out of your budget and out of their time, and if you've got stakeholders or they've got stakeholders who are less than happy sometimes, maybe a lot more than sometimes, it can be really annoying and it can make you feel incompetent. I can help you help them get to the important problems faster, target the wasted time and save you time and money, and ultimately delight stakeholders so that you can feel competent again. It's such a good feeling. Talk to me.